the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Don't be guilty of wasting or squandering any part of your life this side of heaven. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching us God's truth right from the Bible with lessons that we may not want to hear, but we need to hear. Let's jump right in today's study. We're going to find our text in 2 Kings chapter 2. 2 Kings chapter 2, and I entitled this message, Look at This. Have you ever wanted someone to see what you've seen? Because trying to explain it just wasn't working. For sometimes, things can get lost in translation, and some just don't get it. I remember the time that I was cutting a piece of wood uh, uh, on a table saw, uh, and and uh, I was kind of set up in the entryway of the house. I mean, it was outside, but it was on the porch coming in. And the, the garage is right here. And this pillar was over here. And, and this wood was really long. It was this wood called cars that was imported from Sweden. And they were really long boards. And so I was trying to turn my table saw on the stand to kind of get it under angle just to get it so it could get past in, uh, this wall over here. And as I was turning it, I kind of had one hand here, one there. And the table saw fell off the stand. And so I was holding the piece of wood like this. So I went like this with a piece of wood. And my finger, this one right here, was hanging out. And the table saw goes up and goes right into my finger. And it just, it's just like me. And so I'm like, oh. So I grabbed the towel and I wrapped around it. And I am a man, so I have a pain tolerance. I couldn't have a baby, but finger's okay. So anyway, so I go into the emergency room, and I go up, I go, uh, hi, how's it going? She goes, fine. And I said, yeah, I got my finger on a table saw. She goes, okay, well, have a seat. Uh, okay, you know, so I walk over, and I, I sit down, and uh, I'm thinking they're going to call me any second, you know. Ten minutes goes by, 20 minutes goes by. I'm looking through the cheap magazines there. And I get back up and I said, hey, um, you know, it's a pretty bad cut. You know, I, I think maybe you could get me in there, you know. And she's like, well, let me see it, you know. So I take the towel off and it's just the whole thing is she, no. And she's just like, oh, my goodness. Hey, come back here right now. <laughs> it's like, and she takes me back and, you know, it's like sometimes people don't get it when you say something. Like they're not getting the picture. Oh, she got the picture all right. Okay, she got the picture. All of a sudden, she saw what I saw. Or what about the time that I was snorkeling in Mexico? Me and my friend were just snorkeling, and we're about 300 yards off the beach, and we're just motoring out. We got spear guns. You know, we're looking to you know spear some big fish, you know. And so we're going out there, and I see this thing coming, and I'm looking, and I'm like, what the heck is that? It's like it's getting bigger 
and bigger. And you don't, you know, you don't realize how small you are in the scope of life until you're in the water and a manta ray swims up to you that's like 20 feet wide. And you're just, you know, and I'm just, and he's swimming right at us. And I'm looking at this thing as it's getting closer and closer. And I'm like, oh my goodness. Because I thought he was just going to open his mouth, swallow us, and just keep going. So I'm just like, I mean, I just stopped. I mean, like, what do you do? It's not like you're going to out swim the thing. You know, I, I just, I just froze and I'm looking and it's getting bigger and bigger and it stops about maybe 10 feet in front of us. And it's like 20 feet wide and it just stops and it. And it's like looking at us, we're looking at it. And then it just kind of turned and then went oh, and it was gone like instantly. I'm like, Oh my goodness. But at least there was someone with me. So we looked at each other like, uh, you know, and I mean, I, and so when we were telling other people, at least I had a friend that made it sound like it was real. So it was a lot easier to tell that story. Well, listen, we're going to look at a prophet of God who got to see some pretty crazy and wild stuff. He was a man just like you and me, meaning he was flesh and blood, nothing special. Yet there were some differences that did set him apart from many of us. Like, number one, he believed God. Now, many of us today will say, well, I believe in God also. But what does that even mean? Because the Bible says in James 2.19, well, the demons believe in God and they tremble. They believe in God. Obviously, demons, they believe God exists. They used to live in his presence, but they're not saved. They're not going to heaven. There must be more to our belief. There must be fruit to that belief in how we live and how we act. We must embrace God by a sincere faith. Hebrews eleven six says, And without faith it is impossible to please God, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I think that most Christians would agree that nothing is too difficult for God. If he is living inside of us, and we're walking in obedience with him. See, and if that's happening, then nothing should be too difficult for us, right? I mean, if he's living inside of us and we're walking with him by faith, nothing should be too difficult. Well, tonight we're going to look at the prophet Elisha, S-H-A at the end, Elisha. And not only did he believe God, but number two, he also had vision for serving God. The Bible says in Proverbs 29, 18, without a vision, my people perish. Elisha was full of faith. He was full of vision and he had passion inside. And he was the assistant of the great prophet Elijah. J-A-H at the end. So Elisha was a servant of Elijah. I hope you can follow along with this. It's kind of hard to teach about it when you got two that are so close. But we will see how Elisha exercised a real faith along with true vision. And because of that, he would see more than he could have ever imagined. If only we could be like Elisha. 
Instead of allowing our lack of faith to steal and to rob us of God's perfect will from unfolding in our life, it could be the complete opposite of that. We wouldn't have to be robbed of our faith and joy and peace. For many times as Christians, if we're allowing disobedience and sin to run amok in our lives, that will rob us of that joy and peace that Jesus said, my joy I give you, not as the world gives, but my joy is a joy that will last forever. But that's not all. It will also, if we have sin in our life, that's just running amok and we have no desire to stop it. It'll steal our eternal purpose. We all have an eternal purpose. There is a reason while we're here. The Bible says in Romans 6.22, therefore, this is talking to the person that maybe has got a little sin issue in her life and you're not dealing with it. It's just kind of doing its thing and it comes and goes as it wants. He says, therefore, what benefit were you then deriving from the things which you are now ashamed of? For the outcome of those things is death. It's like, what are you deriving from it? I wonder if there's a lifestyle choice that you're making today. And that choice you'll be ashamed of one day when you stand before the Lord. We're never going to be sinless, but we should always be in that battle with that thing that we're weakest to. So if we're weak and there's an area of sin that's just getting us like, man, you got a temper, man, you're a hothead. You are a hothead and you just... Man, you blow up at anything. Man, your wife says something to you, or maybe it's the other way around. Maybe you say something to your wife, and she just, the ticking time bomb, you know. It's like, you got to deal with that attitude. You have to deal with that. It's like, yeah, well, I've always been like that. Well, you know, you got to work on it. And if you work on it, it'll get a little better and a little better and a little better. You have to continue to work on it. doesn't mean that you'll never blow up again, but what it does mean is you'll blow up less and less and less as you desire to work on it. Don't be guilty of wasting or squandering any part of your life this side of heaven. And if you have, I guess, if you have squandered and wasted, I have some good news for you. You can stop. You can change. If there's that one thing that just is eating you up, you know, if that that thing, maybe it's drinking. Maybe it's pornography. Maybe, you know, who knows what it is in your life. But whatever that thing is, maybe you're stealing from your employer. You know, you shouldn't do it, but you kind of got used to that extra income that you've been slipping on the side. Listen, you can change. You can stop and you can start working on it here tonight. And you can have a different perspective on it. For this is a new day. It is a new opportunity to change the direction that you need to change. You can start it tonight because every day seems to be filled with some kind of uncertainty, right? Every day has uncertainty. Why? Because every every world government has drifted farther and farther away from the plans and purposes that God originally established. America used to be known as a Christian nation, but we have become secular-minded and secular-driven. Secular is defined in a dictionary as the attitudes and activities that have no religious or spiritual basis. And that's where we're getting. 
No more religious or spiritual basis in this country like we once used to have. We've become progressive in our thinking, meaning we are taking more and more steps away, away from the truth of God's word. So now we have progressive Christians. Oh, I'm a Christian. And I believe the Bible. Yes, I love the Bible. I believe it. But I don't believe all the Bible. Oh, hold on now. Stop the boat. So you're a Christian, yes. But you don't believe all the Bible. No. It's like, well, you know, look, our culture changes. You know, life changes. And, you know, things change. People change. And, you know, but but I'm a Christian. It's like, uh, hold on. If you profess to know him, but yet you're walking in darkness or you're being an advocate for those who are walking in darkness, you're a liar and the truth is not in you. See, many are minimizing what God has said in his word, and they are now legalizing what God has called sin. We're doing it more and more here in our own country. By moving in that direction, many have literally excommunicated God and his principles not only from their own life, but from our nation. Yeah, now everyone just does what they think is right in their own eyes. One of the most wicked times in Israel was at the end of the book of Judges. And what does it say in the last verse? Every man did what was right in his own eyes. See, he's no longer basing truth on right and wrong by what God said. He's basing it on how he feels in his emotions. Like, hey, look, two adults, consenting adults, we'll just do what we want. We're not hurting anyone. So we justify whatever we do, even though God has said it's wrong. Yes, people have no regard to what God calls sin. And what was sin, just so you know, 5,000 years ago is still sin today. What God calls sin originally is still sin today. What he destroyed the world in Noah's day is still sin today. Nothing changes with what is right and what is wrong. Sure, God changes things like, you know, the day that we worship him is the Sabbath only on Saturday, or actually the Sabbath for the believer is like every day of the week. It's like 24-7 now. Do we have to be worried about what we eat? No, God changed the, the dietary law for the new believers, so we're not bound by the dietary law anymore. Jesus says, no, it goes into a man that corrupts a man. It's what comes out of a man is what corrupts a man. So, yeah, there's some different things in dietary and certain days that are worshipped and called as holy. But the sin, you know, what is wrong, stealing, sleeping with someone else's wife that's not yours, or sleeping with someone's husband that's not your husband, or homosexuality, or, you know, so many other things. It's like lying is still lying. It's still a sin. All of these things, God never changes. So yes, it should matter to us as Christians to not stay silent, but rather to rise up in the days in which we live, which brings us back to Elisha. His life was founded on his desire to be everything that God wanted him to be. He wanted to live his life to the fullest. So he took the life that God gave him to the limits. Wouldn't it be awesome if when we got to heaven, we took the life? Because like how many lives do you have? You got one. Sorry. That's all I got. I got this. I got this. That's all I got. Okay. I just, this is what I come to the party with. It's all I got. 
But wouldn't it be awesome if we took what God gave us to the limit? And when we walked into heaven, it's like, man, we went and we took our life to the limit for the Lord. That'd be a great thing. So that's what Elisha did. He took it to the fullest. He took the life that God gave him all the way. He was full of vision because he wanted his life to count. And he wasn't afraid to ask God for his power to do it. Well, tonight, we're going to take a small look at Elisha. Let's see what we can glean from his life as we consider our first point, faithful to follow, as we read together in 2 Kings chapter 2. We'll start in verse 1. And it says, And it came about when the Lord was about to take up Elijah by a whirlwind to heaven, that Elijah went with Elisha, from Gilgal. And Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. But Elisha, the younger man, said, as the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. Wow. He's like, Elijah, the great prophet Elijah said, yeah, why don't you wait here? Yes, the word was out, though. God was going to take Elijah up in a whirlwind. How did they know that? Maybe it was on a mass email, or maybe it was on someone's Twitter account, and it just went off. You know, I probably not, but, you know, I don't have any clue how everyone knew, but the prophets that were prophesying there, they all knew Elijah's going up in a whirlwind. But one thing for sure, Elisha was not about to leave Elijah's side. He was faithful to follow him. Look at what he said to Elijah, his senior, his mentor, he, when he was asked to stay back. He said, uh, yeah, let me think about that. Uh, how about not? No can do. I'm sure he said yes to everything Elijah said. Go do this. Yes, sir. Here, go over here. Yes, sir. Can you go get me that? Yes, sir. Can you stay here? I'm going to go off by myself. No, sir. No, sir. No can do. As the Lord lives, I will not leave you. Not only does he say that at the end of verse 2, but Elijah asked him to wait another two times at the end of verse 4. And his response was, uh... No, I am not going to leave you, he said. And at the end of verse 6, again, no, I will not leave your side. A total of three times. And every city they went to, the prophets of that city approached Elisha, saying the Lord's going to take Elijah up in a whirlwind. That's why Elisha wasn't about to let Elijah out of his sight. Are you following me on that Elisha, Elijah thing? Okay. Anyway, that's why I'm not letting you out of my sight. This is a picture of a man who didn't want to miss anything that God was about to do. I mean, what would you do? I mean, you, you're, you're the assistant of the great prophet Elijah. Oh my goodness. You, like you're his assistant. And it's like, you know that God's going to scoop him up. Oh man, I'm not leaving your side. His faith led him to anticipate the unexpected. Elisha's heart was ready for the outrageous. His soul was longing for something that was unforeseen. And because of that, he said, I will not, sir, please leave you. 
I'm not going to leave your side. Let me ask you, do you live with any kind of anticipation in these days that we live in? Or is it just all about oh, COVID and this and complain and moan and groan and gripe? And, yeah. Part of me is like everyone else here. Like, yeah, man, we're bummed out with this thing. Hey, I want to go to a stinking restaurant. I want to take my wife out for a steak dinner for her 41st anniversary that happened back in August. It's like, I just want to take my wife out for a steak dinner. And guess what? It hasn't happened yet. We're thinking, oh, well, certainly this is going to be over here with here another week, couple weeks, three weeks, a month, another month, another month, another month. It's like, get over it already. It's like, I just want to take her out to an, an anniversary dinner, which well, hasn't happened, but it will happen hopefully, eventually, but it's like, do you live with anticipation? Like, okay, all this stuff's happening. Our world's been in like just craziness. On one hand, you bummed out about it, but on the other hand, it's like, wow, Jesus, you're coming back. Everything that you said was going to happen at the end is happening right now. Do you ever anticipate being used by God on a daily basis? I do. (laughs) I actually think everywhere I go, like, Lord, is there a conversation here? I'm always looking for an opportunity to open my mouth about Jesus. You know, when you go through the unexpected trials in life, are you expecting God to intervene for you? When worry and angst knocks at the door of your soul, are you confident that God's going to give you the strength to overcome that fear that is attacking you? Are you you know, faithful to follow the Lord when your circumstances turn sour? Do you anticipate God moving or do you simply anticipate nothing? Because if you're always anticipating nothing, you got a good chance of nothing happening for you. Know this, if we're not looking or desiring to be used by God, then we will just simply not see the Lord move. If you say, I've never seen the Lord move. Well, I'd be looking in the mirror because God wants to move. He wants to move in the lives of people. Nor will we be used by God if we just never think it's going to happen. I wonder what Elisha was thinking at first. If the Lord takes Elijah, what will I do? I'm just his assistant. I'm just here to you know, wipe off the, the dust on his sandals. How could God ever use me? I'm just a nobody. I could never fill the sandals that Elijah wears. He's the great prophet Elijah. And I'm sure that many of us think maybe the same thing also. I know I have. What could God do with me? I barely got through high school, man. How's God going to ever going to do anything with me? There's so many other people that have so many more gifts than what I have. Yet we must all recognize that our ability, our adequacy to be used by God has nothing to do with us. For our ability to be used by God is simply based on our willingness to be used by God. That's all God's looking for. He's not looking for ability. God's looking for availability. Okay. It's like, well, I don't have any ability, but I'm available. Bingo. (laughs) That's who God's looking for. God would rather take someone that knows nothing about nothing, but he's willing to open his mouth over some seasoned saint. I've been a Christian for 45 years. I've been a Christian for 50 years. Have you ever shared Christ with me? No, I haven't. 
Okay, we'll step to the side. He's going to use those who are willing to be used. Yes, that's what God does. That's why Jesus said in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, he says, my grace is sufficient for you for power. His power is made perfect in our weakness. You want his power to be made perfect in your weakness? Then just stand out to be used by God. Yes, his power is sufficient. Not our power, his power. Yes, we can rejoice that our adequacy, our competency, our ability to do great things, to fulfill our high calling from God doesn't have to come from us. I don't have to muster it up. God has given his power to each of us. It's available to us so that we can accomplish his will. And somehow, deep down, Elisha, the assistant, knew that. And he believed him. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app available on iOS and Android. Core Truth is sponsored by and a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you have been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA, that's Core Church LA, one word, to 77977. You can also give via our app or online at corechurchla.org, as well as writing to our P.O. Box 34789, Los Angeles, California, 90034. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.